We're going to go to Psalms, the book of Psalms, and Psalm number 65 in your Bible today. Book of Psalms, Psalm number 65. I heard from David Hetzer this morning. They had their first service in-house in Pakistan this morning. First, first Sunday morning service. And they had a lady get saved. <laughs> Isn't it great to be a part of a ministry like that? I mean, Riverside Baptist Church is part of people getting saved around this world. And there ain't no greater joy than that. I mean, that's good stuff right there. I'm very thankful for his faithfulness. And his willingness to, to pull up his family, pluck up his family and go halfway around the world that he might tell people about Jesus Christ. You know, if nobody else gets saved in his ministry over there, and I am expecting fully that many will, but if nobody else does, it was worth the trip, worth every dollar, worth every dime. No doubt about it. Psalm 65, <clears throat> look at verse number 1. Praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion, and unto thee shall the vow be performed. O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, thou shalt purge them away. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple, by terrible things in righteousness will thou answer us, O God of our salvation, who art the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of them that are far off upon the sea, which by his strength setteth fast the mountains, being girded with power, which stilleth the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves, and the torment of the people. They also that dwell in the uttermost parts are afraid at thy tokens, Thou makest the outgoings of the morning and evening to rejoice. Thou visitest the earth and waterest it. Thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest them corn when thou hast so provided for it. Thou waterest the ridges thereof abundantly. Thou settlest the furrows thereof. Thou makest it soft with showers. Thou blessest the springing thereof. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness and thy paths drop fatness. They drop upon the pastures of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered over with corn. They shout for joy. They also sing. I've titled the message this morning, God chooses to bless us. And He does. God chooses to do that. It's not because of us. It's because of Him. Let's pray. We'll get started. <clears throat> what a great God you are. We're thankful that we can call you our Heavenly Father. And if there's one in here this morning that's never truly been saved, uh, they can't look and honestly call you their Heavenly Father because they've never been born again by the Spirit of God. I pray that you would deal with their heart this morning. Show them that their great need is salvation. And for us that are saved, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to understand how much you love us and care about us and that you do choose to bless us. Lord, use this passage of Scripture this morning and help us to walk away encouraged about how much you care. And we thank you, we'll thank you and praise you for your goodness to us. 
and ask all of these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. And please be seated. Ten days after the attack on Pearl Harbor, December 17, 1941, Admiral Chester Nimitz was appointed commander of the Pacific Fleet. And his first act after assuming command was to fly to Hawaii where he personally inspected all the damage uh, that was done upon the fleet by the Japanese. And as he inspected the harbor, his small boat was going in and out among the sunken and the burned out uh, remains of battleships and cruisers and destroyers. And many of those, of course, were considered, considered a total loss. And when his inspection was complete, of, of all of those, a young sailor who had uh, survived the attack, he said, well, Admiral, what do you think <clears throat> after seeing all of this? And according to one of the biographers that was there, the Admiral's answer shocked this sailor. Uh, first, he pointed out that when the Japanese attacked on December 7th, it was a Sunday. So nine out of ten of the soldiers were ashore instead of aboard ships. And Admiral Nimitz stated that if the ships had been fully staffed, the death toll could have easily been 38,000 instead of 3,800. And second, he noted that the Japanese planes had been so obsessed with destroying the warships that they completely ignored the dry docks on the opposite side of the harbor. And if Japanese had destroyed the docks, the Navy would have had to tow every ship to be repaired back to America and and rebuilt and uh, refitted for the sea. And by his estimation, many of the ships could be raised, towed over to the dry docks, and repaired in less time than it would have required for them just to be towed back to the United States. Uh, Next, Admiral Nimitz reminded the sailor that every drop of fuel in the Pacific was stored in above-ground tanks just five miles from the harbor. One plane, just one plane, could have shelled those tanks and destroyed the entire Pacific fleet supply of fuel. Finally, Admiral Nimitz made this observation. He said, quote, Either the Japanese made three of the biggest mistakes an attack force could ever make, or God was taking care of America. End quote. Then he asked the sailor, What do you think? You know, I, I can't tell you anything about the faith of Admiral Nimitz, but his evaluation of the situation is really remarkable. Truly, he was convinced by everything he saw that God had graciously, sovereignly, and and providentially blessed our nation at the attack of Pearl Harbor. And if you had asked him why God would do this, he might have readily admitted that he had no other answer than the one provided by this psalm. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest. God chooses to bless us. It's made very clear in the Bible that men are blessed because God chooses to bless those men. The blessedness is because of the grace of God. Our God God is sovereign, absolutely, and He chooses to show His favor to people apart from anything that they may feel that they have done to deserve it. It's made clear in the Word of God. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, uh, not of works, lest any man should boast. There is not one person who deserves to be blessed with salvation. Oh, I'll say it again. There's not one person that deserves to be blessed with salvation, but God chose to send His Son, Jesus Christ, and pay our sin debt on that cruel, rugged cross all those years ago uh, that He might save anyone that will put their faith and trust in Him as their Savior. Amen. Absolutely. John 14, verse uh, 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in me. Uh, you believe in God, believe in me also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again that where, uh, to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how, and, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So God chose to bless those who get saved. He chose to bless those who get saved with a home in heaven. Now, once again, we did not... We did not do anything to deserve the blessing of living eternally with God in heaven. God chose to do that. He chose that. Romans chapter 12 verse 5 says this, So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one member one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. So we did nothing to earn the privilege of serving God and ministering to others. We did nothing to earn that privilege. No, 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 no. God has gifted us, and because of His amazing grace, He chooses to use us and has gifted us to serve Him. Okay, bottom line. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. When, when Nimitz apparently knew what the psalmist knew, it was what we need to know. The capability to have a blessed life is found in God. It's found in Him. It's all about Him. He's the one that chooses to bless. He is the one that is able to bless. He is the one that looks down and blesses us in spite of us. <clears throat> in this psalm, there are... Uh, Three responses of the man who understands that truth. Look at verse number one with me again, if you would. Praise waiteth on thee, O God, in Zion, and unto thee shall the vow be performed. O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, thou shalt purge them away. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest, and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even thy holy temple. David doesn't give the reason for the writing of this psalm. But in the reading of it, we can see that he is overwhelmed with the thoughts, and, uh, uh, the thoughts of the goodness and the grace of God. God has blessed his nation in unforeseen ways. Pagan kings from other nations have come to know and worship the Lord Jehovah. They have put their faith in the eternal God of heaven. Uh, the fields, as we read on, the fields are, are covered with uh, corn. Uh, 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 the, the pastures are full of herds of flocks. The hand of God's blessing is upon, uh, is, uh, upon Israel is very, very evident. And as he thinks upon all he has viewed, as David thinks upon 
all that he has viewed, he is convinced that he himself nor his nation have done anything to deserve these rich blessings. He's figured out that it's all of God. They are all of grace. Grace inspires men to praise God. I said the grace of God inspires men to praise God. Praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion. They, they, the the prepara- preparation of praise there in Zion. And Zion's one of the biblical terms for the city of Jerusalem. And we know the temple would be built there for a place to worship God. And Zion was frequently said to be the dwelling place of God upon earth during the Old Testament times, according to Psalm, six, uh, Psalm 76 and Joel, Joel chapter number 3. But here the psalmist is referring to people assembled for worship and they're waiting for God to make His presence known so that they could greet Him with their praise. And it says here, Unto thee shall the vow be performed. Unto thee shall the vow be performed. A a vow is a sincere promise made to God. So not only were God's people ready and waiting to praise the Lord, But they were ready to demonstrate, please get this, they were ready to demonstrate their surrender to God by fulfilling the commitments that they had made to Him. Now I want you to get this, it's very important. Very important for you and I today. Okay, let me ask you a question then. Should Christians make vows or commitments to God? Well, I really believe we should. I mean, who, who is more trustworthy than our God? I mean, who can we trust more than Him? Why wouldn't we make vows to Him? Why wouldn't we make commitments to Him? I mean, when we do such and we work at keeping those, He is very good with His grace and strength to help us through any situation, isn't He? Yeah, that's our great God. Absolutely so. There's really a lack of commitment among young Christian adults today. I don't say that in a derogatory way. I just say it as as seeing and talking to other pastors and all. There's just a lack of, of commitment among young Christian adults today. People will commit to their job. They'll commit to buying a house. They'll commit to buying a car. They'll commit to keeping their kids in sports. They'll commit to outside activities. So why wouldn't we be willing to commit to God? It really doesn't make any good sense to me. We'll commit ourselves to temporal things, but we will not commit ourselves to the eternal, wonderful, holy God. Makes no sense whatsoever. And and by the way, is it really true worship that only reaches a person's emotions, but fails to move them to make commitments to the Lord? I mean, if we walk out of a service feeling good about ourselves, I mean, is that good enough? I mean, if it's all about our emotion, and boy, we just, man, wasn't that great, but we make no real commitments to God, and nothing is continually changing our life, and we're not drawing closer to Him, I mean, is it really good enough? And I know because of our humanness, a lot of times we'll just say, well, preacher, you know, but I'm just afraid I'll fail. But think about it. No, no, think about it with me. You don't fail with other commitments. You make other worldly commitments, temporal commitments, whatever. You don't fail with those. Are they more important than a commitment that you would make to God? No, I really just want you to think about it. 
The eternal God of heaven? No, if we really believe that he is there, if we really believe he watches over us, and apparently we do, or we wouldn't be sitting in this place this morning. We need not fear making commitments to him. He can guide us all along the way. He can help us through everything that we might face. Well, preacher, you know, but what if I can make a commitment and then I, and then, and then, and then you know, I just change my mind. I want to do something different. <laughs> I don't know why we let ourselves get in the way so much. No, no, we let ourselves get in the way. We make a commitment to God, then it gets a little tough, and we didn't want it to be tough, so maybe we can do something different. So we make these commitments to God, and it's really the grace of God that invites us to prayer. We make commitments. God can help us with our commitments. We stay in touch with Him. Verse number 2 there. O thou that hearest prayer. (laughs) He hears our prayer. No, God, I'm telling you, he He doesn't get lines crossed. We can all pray to Him. We could all be praying to Him at the very same time. He knows who's praying, what they're praying, why they're praying. Well, how does he do that? He's God. He hears our prayer, and the grace of God invites us to prayer. God, our Creator, makes Himself available to us. God, the the one that created us, our Creator, makes Himself available to you and I. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 says, For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Hallelujah to God. Oh no, please don't take it lightly that you get to talk to God. Through our relationship to Jesus, we're given access to our heavenly Father. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, Let us us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm going through some things and God really can't. Oh, you stop right there. God can. Oh, no, no matter what we're going through, God can help us. And God can give us direction. God can strengthen. He can guide. He he can encourage. He is there for us. Absolutely so. He's a great, great God. We might find, we might obtain mercy at his throne, find grace to help in time of need. Look, not only do we have access, uh, access to the throne, we are encouraged to come boldly and bring our needs to God's throne of grace. Our God who created everything that we see wants us to come to him. And James chapter 4 verse 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to to thee. So it gets better. No, 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 it it gets better. God promises that if we'll draw near to him, that he will draw near to us. Hallelujah. You know, it'd be good. We just took that first step. We draw near, he draws near. We draw nearer, he draws nearer. Come on. Somebody said a long time ago, I heard somebody say, his steps are bigger than mine. We take a step to him, he takes a bigger step to us. Somebody ought to say amen right there. Absolutely. In verse number two, the, the, the words all flesh, it says that unto thee all flesh uh, uh, shall all flesh come. The, the words all flesh emphasize the fact 
that, that, that prayer was never meant, listen to me please, that prayer was never meant to be a privilege only to the Jews. No, 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 no. But it is available to any man in any race who will acknowledge God. I mean, what should we do with this knowledge that God hears our prayer? Well, how about this? Pray. No, no, earnestly pray. I'm talking about praying, believing that God hears and answers your prayer. James said, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Pray. And also because of God's grace, we have forgiveness. (laughs) No, I like it. Verse number three, iniquities prevail against me. Anybody else feel like that? Okay, just your pastor. As for our transgressions, love it, thou shalt purge them away. It's only because of his grace that we have forgiveness of sin. David confesses that he did not always win the war against flesh. King David. Iniquities prevail against me. But he also declared that the forgiveness of God was available at every failure. Every time he stumbled, every time he fell. As for our transgressions, thou shalt purge them away. A.W. Tozer, old preacher of the past, said this, No matter how far you go, there's always a path called forgiveness back to God. No matter how far you go, God's always there for us, always ready to forgive, always ready to accept us back, always ready to help us along the way. And it is God's grace, God's grace, that initiates His blessedness. Verse number four, blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. See, King David knew fully well that he did not deserve the blessings that grace afforded him. He knew that. Lord, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. But he also recognized that God's main purpose in blessing, get this too, that God's main purpose in blessing is to keep us or to bring us back into good fellowship with Him so that He, He, can satisfy our lives with His goodness. How many in here are thankful when they're blessed by God? Oh yeah, absolutely so. And it's good. And we know it too. It's like, man, God did that. Boy, God's so good. God, no, 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 it's a wonderful thing. Well, I know, but every once in a while, oh, I know, every once in a while, it's not that way, isn't it? No, I understand that. Every once in a while, it's, you know, not so good, isn't it? But I'm telling you, those blessings of God, know that God chooses to bless us in spite of us. Okay, let me, no, wait, 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 no, stop. Stop with me right here, time out. Just think about you for a minute here. Think about you for a minute. I don't deserve any of this. No, I said I don't deserve any of the good stuff God would do for me. And God knows you better than you know you. 
You know you better than anybody else around you knows you. And God still chooses to bless you and help you. Truly, the people are who we are. No, 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 the people are who we are. The, the, I mean, thinking that we have a holy, righteous God, the people are who we are, we probably deserve a whole lot more bad than we do good. But God chooses to bless us. He does that so we might stay in fellowship. He loves us that much. And then David begins to give thought of the greatness of God. I mean, the greatness of his salvation. Verse 5, by terrible things in righteousness wilt thou answer us, O God, of our salvation, who art the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of them that are far off upon the sea. See, he is the one and only Savior for all mankind. No, no, O God of our salvation. There's salvation in no other name. None. Buddha can't save you. Confucius can't save you. Allah can't save you. Somebody say amen. No, only Jesus Christ. He's the only one. Yep, he is the one and only Savior. Romans chapter 1 verse number 16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We shouldn't be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that saved our soul. He's the one, he's the one that is responsible for that we do not have to go to hell. I mean, he is the one that has forgiven all of our sins by his precious blood. Man, oh man, should we ever be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ? According to Genesis chapter number 12, verses 1 through 3, the Jews are God's chosen people. And by the way, that has not changed. No, no, it hadn't changed. No, the church has not replaced them. Be careful listening to that stuff. The church has not replaced them. No, 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 one of these days, their eyes are going to be open. They're still God's chosen people. Yeah, be careful listening to people say it's not. God delivered them from Egyptian bondage when they couldn't deliver themselves. He was there for them. The Jews, they were given the law as they wandered in the wilderness because they are God's chosen people. God spoke to them through His prophets. God gave them His word. He chose them to be the people through whom Christ would enter into this world. Much of the Old Testament is the record of God providing salvation both for and by the Jew. Wonderful thing. He is the Savior of the whole world. He is the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of them that are far off upon the sea. He continues to talk about that. God's plan of salvation, though, is not limited to just the Jews. It includes all people. All people. No, not, not just the chosen. It includes all people. Acts chapter 1 at verse 8 says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Je- Jerusalem and in Judea and, Je- in, and uh, in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Everybody. God's gift to everybody. Mark chapter 16 verse 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, not just the chosen. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's offered salvation. It's offered to everybody. Freely, the price has been paid by the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood was shed. The sacrifice was made. He lay dead in the tomb for three days, but he rose from the dead. Victorious over death. Victorious over sin. 
God is great in his sovereignty. Verse number 6 there says, which by his strength set us fast the mountains. Talking about God. Being girded with power, which stilleth the noise of the seas, the noise of their ways, the torment of the people. They, they also that dwell in the uttermost parts are afraid of thy tokens. Thou makest the outgoings of the morning and evening to rejoice. One Bible commentator said this. Listen to this. He said, the sovereignty of God is discerned in the absolute manner in which all things have been assigned their respective places in creation. God is in absolute authority over his creation. And he is. He's in absolute authority over his creation. So in verses 6 through 8, King David highlights two characteristics of God's supreme power over his creation. It talks about his omnipotence in verses number 6 and 7. He's all-powerful. No, no, he had the power to create. No, no, he said it set as fast the mountains. He's the one that put the mountains in place. Another commentator said this, David is impressed with God's power. He has the power to heave up the Himalayas, to range the Rockies uh, like centennials against the sky. A God who can do that is omnipotent, all-powerful. That's our God. Absolutely so. And he has power to control, too, over the creation. It says in there, he stilleth the noise of the seas. I'm here to tell you this morning that, 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 that the waves and the winds obey God's commands. Oh, absolutely. They are his creation. And they have no desire. I said, the waves and the winds have no desire to go against what he may command. Oh, come on, don't you love it over in the, uh, in, in, don't you love it over in the New Testament and the story? And, and I mean, they're in the midst of the storm. Jesus is asleep. Master, don't you care that we perish? <sighs> okay, get up. Okay, okay, storm, peace. Be still. Oh, I love the story. Because I don't think it just slowly subsided. Oh, no, no, no. I think when the Lord Jesus cried out, peace, be still. No more rain. No more wind. No more waves. Okay, I can have fun with this all by myself. I think the water said, you better be still. That's the master. You better quit blowing. That's our creator. Oh, yeah. He's that powerful. Absolutely so. You can't convince me otherwise, no matter how much you might want to try. This is our God. And He has power to control. But also His omnipresence. Verse number 8. They shall, uh, they also that dwell in the uttermost parts are afraid of thy tokens. God's rule extends to the uttermost parts of the earth. And the farthest reaches of morning, the first hint of dawn, and and evening, the last ray of dusk. It extends to the uttermost parts of the earth. No, no, no. The same God that's looking down on this service right now is the one that was looking down on the service at Pakistan when that lady got saved over there today. Same God. He's everywhere. There's no place you can go that He is not. He is everywhere. David wants us to know that this world belongs to God. And he is able to exercise his authority over it all. God does choose to bless people. 
That can't be denied. The, the substance of that truth is shown in how he has the power and the authority to do how he desires. And we should have the hope, please listen to me, we should have the hope that his blessing will fall on us. Well, how come, preacher? Because I am, oh, no, 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 wait, wait. Just because he loves us. I said, because he loves us. In this passage of Scripture, we've seen, uh, uh, we've seen both um, of those things affirmed. God blesses whom he chooses. His word declares that it really doesn't matter who you are or where you live. God's goodness and grace are available to you. There's no limit to God's great power. He is sovereign over all this world. There's there's not anyone that He would not save if they would humbly and sincerely come to Him by faith. And really thinking about about those truths. Why are we so reluctant at times? Please listen to me. Why are we so reluctant at times to believe that God wants to bless us? He wants to. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. Some of you are glad I'm not singing this morning, aren't you? I can tell you by the way you're looking at me. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. He wants to bless us. He wants to. And then David goes on in in the last few verses of of, of this psalm and rejoices in the goodness of God. We come to the final stanza of the psalm. We find David reflecting on God's goodness and and on God's divine care of people. And he fills the rivers with water. Talks about how he fills the rivers with water and he fills fills the fields with grain and he fills the pastures with flocks of sheep. Everywhere that David looks, everywhere that David looks, he can see the evidence of the grace and goodness of God. As I was driving home from the church last night, I, I uh, many times go down Riverside and, and then up Cook Road anyway. I got out there to the corner where Cook Road is and, and I looked across that field and because it's not planted in corn this year, it's real. That's already you can see a long way, and the sky was just beautiful behind that, and and the, all these these crops were beginning to come up, and I thought, man, ain't ain't God wonderful? No, it's His blessing. He's the only one that can make. He's the only one that can make a plant grow. He makes the sun shine so the plants will grow. 
He sends the rain so that they'll be watered and sprout, so that we'll have food. I mean, really, everywhere we look, we should see the blessing of God, the hand of God. It's so terrible that with everything that's going on in the world right now, it's so terrible that really if we spend more time focusing on it than we do focusing on God, it's no wonder a lot of people are in the negative right now. But all this stuff that's happening across our country and around the world, it didn't catch God by surprise. He's still in control. He still has a perfect plan that He is going to perform no matter what everybody else does. Nothing's going to stop it from happening. Nothing. We're talking about a loving, caring, wonderful, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, forgiving Heavenly Father that wants to bless His children. He wants to bless us. I think that if we would give Him more attention, no, He chooses to bless us. But if we would just give Him more attention, we might be able to better see the blessing on our lives and on our homes and in our our country even. God's still in control. True blessedness can only be found in God. True blessedness. I'm not talking about being happy over a new pair of shoes or a new shovel or a new gun. <laughs> that some, brings some happiness, absolutely so. Brother Mike, he believes it. But I'm talking about a blessedness that Doesn't need anything but a good view of God. I have found out in my own life that the more time I spend praising Him, I'm talking about even in private, the more time I spend acknowledging Him and praising Him and worshiping Him, the more blessed I am. I find out the more attention that I give to Him, the more He can chase the junk out of my head. You know, the junk about the world and all these worries and all these cares and all these things. A preacher, are you just oblivious to anything? Don't you know really bad things are happening? No, I'm not oblivious to it. I try to keep up with it. I watch it. I listen to it. A lot of it makes me angry. Just that people have abused our country in their, the way they are. But all, the, all of that does not dictate whether or not I'm blessed. All of that does not dictate whether or not you're blessed either. 
we just tend to think more upon the negative than we do the positive. Which really doesn't make a whole lot of sense since we have a God that loves us as much as He does. Or are we supposed to just forget all about the things that are happening? Oh, no, no, no. We need to be responsible. We need to be responsible. We need to be knowledgeable. We just don't need to allow the things of this earth to cloud out who God is. Because no matter how dark the skies might get, He's still up there. If our lives are going to be blessed, we need to totally depend on His grace. His grace. God chooses to bless us. He does. We need to be totally dependent upon His grace and upon His goodness, upon His greatness, upon His greatness. What a great God we have. See, we have good news. Oh no, you won't find it on CNN or ABC or NBC or MSNBC or even Fox News. We have good news. What is that, preacher? Mm. God has chosen to bless His people. Maybe we need to take some more time to think about Him. Maybe we need to take time to really look around. Maybe it would help us to remember and believe that God is well able to bless us. And that no one is excluded from the possibility of being blessed by God. Listen, listen. Who will be dependent upon God. We're blessed by God as we become more dependent upon God. That's where the... That's, that's from which... That's from whom all the blessings flow. We need to be careful about not being so consumed... Listen, listen. No, I'm right at done. I'm, I'm right at done. We need to be careful about, about not being so consumed about the things going on out in the world or the things going on in our own personal life that we would allow those to drown out the blessing of our great God. Because too often we are more blessed than we think. We just need to take time to think about it. God chooses to bless us. But we have to be willing to believe in Him more than we're trusting anything else. That's our great God. 
No doubt about it. Would you bow your heads with me? Our heads are bowed for a moment. Maybe someone here this morning that would say, Preacher, I'm not even sure I've ever been saved. I'm not sure my sins are forgiven. I'm not sure I've ever trusted Christ as my Savior. I'm just not sure. Preacher, would you pray for me about that? Boy, I'd really like to pray for you like that. Would you allow me to do that? Would you allow me to pray for you? Would you just slip up your hand wherever you're at? Yeah, Preacher, that's me. I'm not even sure that I've been forgiven. I'm not sure that Christ is my Savior. Would you pray with me about that? Let, let me let me let me ask like this. You're here this morning, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, please, in respect of God and others. You're here this morning and you would say, Preacher, I really need to see the blessing of God. I really need to see the blessing of God in my own life, my own family. I really need to see the blessing of God right now. Would you please pray for me? I want to pray for you like that. Would you slip your hand up? Just allow me to pray for you right there. God bless your honesty there, 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 there. God bless you there, right there, over here. Yep, over here. God bless your honesty. I appreciate that very, very much. Thank you so much for your honesty. I appreciate that. You may put your hands down. Yeah, yeah. Focus on Him, His goodness, His mercy, His grace. Block out the other things for a while. Give your attention to the God who loves you. Whatever need you have in your life, I promise God can meet it. I promise you He can.